Hey, this is Kyle Eidelman from Southeast Christian Church, and I'm going to thank you for listening to the message today. As we open up the scriptures together, I pray that this message inspires you, challenges you, and is the right word at just the right time in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, I've been excited about this weekend because I am excited about this next generation. I hesitate to even say next generation because... um, it's really this generation, right? Like they are a part of our church in every way and I'm excited about what God is doing in this generation. If you feel a little discouraged or sometimes frustrated or maybe a little overwhelmed when you see things happening in our world and you have this fear of the future and you're concerned about the direction things might be going, what I would encourage you to do is spend some time with the students in our church family. Because when you spend time with our students, you start to see that God is doing some incredible things in them and through them. It it just reminds you of his faithfulness, as we just sang about, to all generations. And um, and I love seeing what God is doing in this upcoming generation. I I love the multi-generational reality of our church. This is one of the most diverse, generationally diverse churches in the country. That comes with certain challenges, but I love it. Like I, I love seeing it. One of my prayers that I sometimes find myself praying, it goes like this, God, would you help um, the boomers be passionately committed to the zoomers? Help the boomers be passionately committed to the Zoomers because if the boomers will be committed to the Zoomers, it's gonna make all the difference for how the kingdom continues to grow and, and, and how our church continues to impact this world. So at all of our campuses this weekend, you're gonna be hearing from um, different student ministry leaders. Uh, in the sermon, in just a few moments, you're gonna be hearing from one of our student ministry leaders, Brock O'Dell. Brock came on staff here uh, around 11 years ago. His passion, his commitment to this next generation inspires me. Um, After he's done preaching, we're gonna have a time of communion, celebration. You'll hear from different student ministry leaders. Um, But as a church, I just want us to be passionately praying, especially as we begin this new school year for this next generation. Um, So just a moment, I want you to welcome Brock O'Dell, but as you welcome him, I also want this to be an expression of our church family's commitment at all of our campuses to this next generation. So would you please welcome Brock O'Dell. So there I was. I'm in fourth grade. I'm sitting in the middle of my fourth grade class trying to focus on math, but I'm having a really difficult time because my mind was preoccupied with something so much greater. You see, today was going to be my first ever competitive basketball game. And I had high hopes for myself. I had high hopes for my team, the Westlake Eagles. So at the end of the school day, I make my way to the gym where the game is gonna happen. Warm-ups have already begun. On one side of the gym is my team, warming up a bunch of scrawny kids in oversized blue and gold jerseys, the Westlake Eagles. On the other side of the team there, or other side of the court, there was a team much, much different than our team. Uh, I don't remember where they were from. I don't even remember their mascot, but I can tell you what their name should have been. The Philistine Gigantors. (laughs) Because these kids were humongo. They must have eaten Wheaties, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of their lives. I I don't know. It was, they just, there was, one of the kids 
even had armpit hair in fourth grade. You are sitting there, you're like, Brock, how do you know this? Because I had to guard Mr. Gorilla Pits himself, okay? It's traumatic. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. So the game is going to begin. Referee has the ball, throws it up, jump ball. Gigantors grab the ball, pass, pass, fast score. We're down, two to nothing. We go to pass it in. Tommy, Gigantors steal the ball, pass, pass, throw it off the backboard, dunk, four to nothing, six to nothing, eight to nothing, 10 to nothing, 12 to nothing. My math is getting, it's too fast. Then, in God's great mercy and grace, he allows the stop clock to go off. And the other team is making a substitution. The guy that I was guarding, Mr. Gorilla Pits, Goliath's great-grandson, he's getting called off of the court and somebody else is coming on. And so as I'm hunched over trying to catch my breath, watching the sweat drip off the end of my nose, I look up and my relief is quickly displaced with sheer horror. My worst nightmare, a girl. And this is terrible for two reasons. Number one, because we all know this, right? Girls still scientifically test positive for cooties until middle school. And so I have that to worry about. And then on top of that, this is no ordinary girl. She is, I don't know how else to describe her, a steroid girl, okay? She had muscles in fourth grade that I still don't have now. And girl had game. She's probably in the WNBA today. She scored on me, she blocked me, she stole from me, not just the ball, my dignity, my value as well, all of it. And by the time we get to halftime, my team, the Westlake Eagles, is down 30-something to two. And so as we make our way to our halftime huddle, me and my team, we begin bickering amongst ourselves. Hey man, why don't you play some defense? Why don't you try and make a layup every once in a while? And our coach, he catches wind that we're arguing against each other. And so he quickly, with a lot of authority, very abruptly, calls us in and says, hey, we are a team. We're in this together. We need each other. So why don't we go out there and let's play like a team? And that was all of the motivation that me and my friends needed. We turned out of that huddle, we walked back out onto that court, slow motion, explosions going on behind us. Second half commences, ball goes up. Y'all wanna know what happened? We got destroyed, it was terrible. But <laughs> what did change is that we began to play as a team and view ourselves that way. Hey, as Kyle said, my name's Brock. My wife, Aurora, and I, we moved here 11 years ago in 2012. I've been working with middle school students and high school students ever since. And on this takeover weekend, it is my honor to talk to you all about our team. I wanna to talk to us about our team because how we operate as a team may be what is noticed most by the world around us. Similar to my fourth grade coach, I think we need an abrupt reminder about who our team is and what it is that we're playing for. Why do we exist? So let's jump in. If you are a follower of Jesus, then your team is the church. Somebody say amen. amen. Colossians 1, 17 through 18 says this, he, Jesus, existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Somebody say amen again. What this verse is saying is that anyone who falls under the authority of Jesus, if anybody would claim that Jesus is the Lord of their life, then they are a Christian. If they are a Christian, then they are part of Christ's body and his body is called the church. It's not just semantics this weekend. Let me tell you why this matters. 
because there are some challenges in today's message, and I wanna be clear up front that these challenges are for the church. These challenges are for the team. If you are a follower of Jesus, then this is for you. Get out your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter two. With the theme of team in mind, I wanna look at Acts chapter two. And as you turn there, let me just point out something to you that came apparent to me Tuesday or Wednesday of last week. We have now looked at Acts chapter two multiple times over the summer. We looked at it earlier this summer when Dave Stone and Kyle were up here. Remember Kyle was in his aviators looking like Maverick, you remember that? Talked about Acts two then, we talked about Acts two just last week, we're talking about Acts two today. Brothers and sisters, I didn't plan it that way. It would seem apparent to me that the Holy Spirit is at work, that he's up to something and he wants us to see something, to experience something, to learn something from the text, so lean in. As we get ready to jump in, let me give you some context. Jesus has died on the cross. Jesus' lifeless body has stayed dead in a grave for three days. On the third day, his lifeless body resurrects and comes back to life and he appears to his disciples and many other witnesses. And he's like, hey, I'm not dead, I'm alive. He sends his disciples out to share this good news with the world, that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive, that Jesus has victory over death, that he truly is the Messiah, the Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life. And so Peter is doing just that. He just got done preaching a sermon to thousands of people explaining that Jesus is not dead, he is alive. Let's see how the crowd responds. Acts 2, 41, this is what it says. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. 3,000 people respond to Jesus and are baptized. And here's what I'd like to point out. This most likely was not 3,000 adults. Now, Scripture doesn't specifically typecast this group of people, and I think that's on purpose. This would have been the young and the old. It would have been entire households that were hearing the good news of Jesus, surrendering to his authority, and signing up for his team, the church. You see, the church has been and always will be a multi-generational force that operates and moves and prays and lives together. And I don't think it's dangerous to assume that young people would have been a pivotal part of this early movement within the church because we see it in other places in the book of Acts as well. Check out Acts 16, 15. She, speaking of Lydia, and her household were baptized. Lydia would be a leader in the church of Philippi. Same chapter a little bit later, talking about a blue-collar worker who would be a key part of the church in Philippi. Acts 16.33 says, Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. There's evidence all over the place that the gospel was capturing young people and old people in the days of the early church and was sending them out as a vital part of the team. So students in the room, let me pause real quick and make sure you hear something. You are a vital part of something bigger. You are a vital part of this church and the church globally, and we need you. Now listen, in the year 2023, I think we all sometimes get this wrong. Whether you're young or old, we miss this, and we can begin to settle for some broken Western idea that church is a building or a location that I show up to to be entertained 
and inspired. And we can begin to think that I attend my adult church while my high school student attends their high school church and my middle school student attends their middle school church and my child attends SE Kids Church and my dog attends dog church. And then afterwards, we all get into our car, we go home and we don't talk about anything we learned, but we come back next week. Listen, God did not create church for you to attend. He created church for you to belong. He created church for you to join. God created church so that you could get in the game. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You have a God-given role to play as a part of this team. And the question we need to wrestle with today is this. Are you playing your role? Or are you sitting on the bench? Are you sitting on the sideline satisfied with showing up week after week, attending a Christian service instead of joining Jesus and his team in Christian service to others. Here's what I'd like to propose. Whether you are 90, 50, 30, 15, or eight, we need each other. And we need each other to fulfill the mission that God has given us. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. One of my favorite things about the church and this church is the church is multi-generational and each generation can help sharpen other generations to look more like Jesus. Modern day translation, young people, you need the old people. Old people, sorry if that's offensive. You need the young people. We need each other to sharpen one another to look more like Jesus. And so today, we're gonna separate us into two groups. If you are 25 years old and up, give me a shout, where are you at? Let's go. Y'all are ready, you came to play, I love it. All right, if you are 25 years and under, give me a shout, where are you at? All right. We're gonna be in those two groups today. Got a message for both groups. If you are 25, just choose whichever group you like better, okay? Here we go, 25 years and up. You can sharpen our church to look more like Jesus. It's, it's really simple, actually. Show up. We just need you to show up. We need you to share your wisdom and your stories with us so that the younger generation within our church can stand on your shoulders and continue to do the work that you've been doing by taking the good news of Jesus to places it's never been. We need you to pray big prayers because we serve a big God. We need you to continue to give financially so that missions can continue both locally and globally. Now listen, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, we're all called to give, but 25 and up, I'm calling on you specifically because let's be honest, the young bucks in our church, they ain't got nothing. Gas is too expensive, okay? So 25 and up, we need you to give. You're, you're called to give financially, but as a youth pastor at this church for 11 years, can I share something with you? A pattern that I sometimes sense or feel is that sometimes believers they get to a point in age where they begin to believe a lie and that lie is this, that I'm too old, that my back hurts too bad or my knees hurt too bad or I'm too busy. Listen, we don't just need you to give financially. We need you 
to serve. We need you to serve because culture is discipling the younger people within our church and it is discipling them loudly. And we need you as a seasoned follower of Jesus to stand in the gap as an ambassador of Christ and disciple them more loudly than culture is trying to do. We need you to show up 25 and up. We need you to join a college age group We need you to serve in college-age ministry and model for college students what it looks like to live a godly marriage. How will they learn it if not from you? We need you to jump into a sixth-grade boys group and show up week after week and love those knuckleheads and teach them what it means to be a man after God's own heart because how are they going to learn it if not from you? We need you to jump into high school ministry and remind sophomore girls what God thinks about them, that they are not what the world says. We need you to teach them how to love Jesus and scripture. How are they gonna learn it if not from you? We need you to show up. 25 and up, hear me. It is our responsibility to care for and disciple the younger people within our church. It's not just Kyle's responsibility. It's not just my responsibility. If we are a team, then it means that the responsibility is carried by all of us. It is our responsibility to care for and disciple the younger people within this church. 25 and up, you sharpen us to look more like Jesus when you care more about God's kingdom than your own kingdom. Jesus says it best in Matthew 6. This is what he says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How can you get engaged? How can you care more about your treasure in heaven than your treasure here on earth? Let me give you a tip of the iceberg example. At our Chapel in the Woods campus, we have a group of boomers and up that have committed to writing letters of prayer and encouragement to the younger people in our church who get baptized. That's just one small way that you can engage with the younger generation. How can you get in the game? Don't sit on the sidelines. But here's the beautiful thing, I've seen it many times. It's just how Jesus works, that when you go all in with Jesus, he turns everything on its head, doesn't he? And I've seen it a million times, that when you sign up to make an investment in somebody else's walk with Jesus, you simultaneously make an investment in your own Walk with Jesus every time. Have you ever seen a seventh grade student on mission in their school? They're fearless to share Jesus with their friends or to invite their friends to an event where Jesus is going to be preached. Maybe as you've gotten older in your faith, you've grown a little bit more timid. Well, maybe your next kingdom assignment is to invest in some middle school students' walk with Jesus while simultaneously investing in your own walk with Jesus. They will learn from you and you will learn from them and we will sharpen each other to look more like Jesus. Have you ever seen a high school student worship Jesus with reckless abandon? If you haven't, you need to because it's beautiful to see a young person want Jesus more than they want anything else. As you've gotten older, if you've gotten stale, then maybe your next kingdom assignment is to serve with high school ministry, to invest in their walk with Jesus, make an investment in your walk with Jesus. You'll learn from them and they'll learn from you and you'll sharpen each other to look more like Christ. It's the same thing for college age ministry, for high school ministry, for middle school ministry and SE kids, 25 and up. We need you. 
We need you to get in the game and to not sit on the sidelines. So a practical way that you can take that next step in jumping in to serve or finding out more about serving at whatever campus you're at is texting SERVE to 733-733. We need you to get in the game and disciple this younger generation loudly. 25 and under, coming after you next. Y'all ready? You're not, but here we go. We're going for it. <laughs> Young guns, here's how you can sharpen our church to look more like Jesus. It's real simple. Write this down if you're taking notes. Tattoo it on your forehead. You can be bold. You can be bold. Listen, we need you to put down the video games. We need you to pick up your Bible, to read it, to believe it, and to go do it. We need you to care less about the gossip and more about making disciples. Listen to me, young people. We need you to storm the gates of hell on your sports field, at your school, on your bus, wherever it is that you go. Because when you pursue Jesus passionately, it shines a bright light outside of these walls, but it also shines a bright light inside of these walls, that when you live passionately and pursue Jesus, the older people within our church want to do the same. And so we need you to help lead us there. Young people, we need you. And woe to us if we don't willingly learn from all that God is doing in you and through you. I'm, absolutely, I'm actually the, the product of a young person living on mission for Jesus. When I was seven years old, my mom and my stepdad, I call them dad, they moved to a family neighborhood in Illinois. They weren't followers of Jesus, weren't walking with the Lord. But they wanted to start going on date nights, so they began looking for a sitter. Enter Jenny. Jenny was a 13-year-old girl, trustworthy. She also happened to be a Christian and was the daughter of a local pastor. My parents didn't really care about that part, just wanted her to be trustworthy. So as they would go out on date nights, Jenny would watch me and my siblings, and Jenny began to notice the stack of books in my house. Self-help books, universe's love books. And Jenny, this 13-year-old girl, she didn't go to seminary, she didn't have any formal training, she's just a kid, but she desperately wants to talk to my mom about Jesus, and so the best idea that she can come up with is to create a book club of some sort. And so she says to my mom, hey, I will read one of your books if you'll read one of mine. Jenny handed my mom a book written by Lee Strobel that's all about Jesus. Fast forward, within the next six months, because of that relationship, my mom would attend an Easter service at Jenny's local church. At the conclusion of that service, she would walk forward and surrender her life to Christ. Six months to a year later, my father would do the same thing. My family tree changed. My family tree transformed because a 13-year-old girl with no seminary degree, she wasn't on staff at a church and she wasn't an adult. She just loved Jesus and did what he said. Young people, we need you to be like Jenny because Jenny was like Jesus. First Timothy 4.12 says this, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Young people, this is the call, and you got this challenge last week, and I wanted to put it up here one more time to emphasize to set an example because we are not only asking you to set an example for our church, this entire weekend is about giving you permission to do so. This is it. 
This is what we're asking you to do. We're giving you permission to passionately pursue Jesus in a crazy way. Would you set an example for the rest of us? Now that we've said it, we don't just hope you do. We expect that you will, and so does God's word. Will you do it? Will you go into your schools and your sports fields and your buses and your families, and will you pursue Jesus passionately? This church needs you to, and the church needs you to. Young people, we need you. But let me also be very, very, very clear. You need us. And you need us desperately. Reminds me of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul's talking to a group of people and he says, hey, model your life after the way that I live because I'm living my life after the way that Jesus lived. Students, do you have a Paul to follow? Do you have an older, wiser Christian that you can follow in their footsteps as they follow in the footsteps of Christ? Whose life are you modeling your life after? It's important that you have older, wiser Christians in your life to follow because struggle is coming. It's not a question of if it is coming, it is a question of when it is coming. And if you have been discipled by an older, wiser, more, mat more mature Christian than you, and you will have watched the way that they lived, then when you get that diagnosis, you will have been discipled to cling to Jesus in life's toughest circumstances. You'll have seen someone do it before you and you will follow suit. Or when you struggle with infertility, or when you lose your job, or when life comes crashing down on you and punches you in the face, you will have been discipled to persevere and cling to Jesus. Do you have a Paul to follow? You need one. I had the opportunity to go to Kenya, Africa a couple of years ago. While we were there, we got to go on a safari and on the safari, there was one thing we wanted to see, lions. And so as we're out there, our van comes screeching to a halt and our tour guide's like, look, 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 way over there. And so off in the horizon line, we see a lion crouching in the grass and it's about 50 to 100 yards away from give or take a billion and a half gazelle. I mean, there's just gazelle as far as the eyes can see. And so me and my friends are like, this is it, we're about to see some carnage, let's go, you know. And so we like wait, and we wait, and we wait, and eventually I'm frustrated and impatient, and so I go nudge the tour guide, and I'm like, hey man, click your shock collar, make that lion eat a gazelle, right? What am I paying you for? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. A lion would never attack a large pack of gazelle. Uh, instead, it would, it would wait patiently for one, maybe two gazelles to get separated from the pack. And oftentimes the gazelles that will get separated from the pack are the young, the vulnerable, and the isolated. First Peter 5.8 says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Listen close, young people. Scripture tells us that our team, the church, has an enemy. That enemy is a lion. That lion's tactics are to steal, kill, and destroy. And oftentimes, his greatest damage is dealt to the young, the vulnerable, and the isolated. Students, this is why we make it such a big deal. We want you to be connected to a student ministry here at Southeast. 
We want you to be connected so that you are surrounded by peers that are your age going the same direction. We want you in a place where older, wiser Christians are investing in you, pouring into you, discipling you, because you need the protection of this church because there is an enemy. So don't go through middle school alone. Don't go through high school alone. Don't go through college alone. Get connected. Serve if that's what you need to do to get connected. Serve in SE Kids, serve in Connections. You need to be connected to the church for your protection. Adults, let me remind you, in case you've forgotten so quickly, that it is our responsibility to make sure that the younger generations within our church are cared for, protected, and discipled. Let me close with this. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? He prayed for me, he prayed for you, he prayed for us. Some of his last words before he goes to the cross, he's praying, and I believe that we can fulfill the prayer that Jesus prayed for us. In John 17, check this out, this is what it says. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. When he says them, he's talking about his apostles or disciples, uh, James, Peter, John, right? So he said, my prayer is not for them, my disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now Jesus is pointing to the chain of disciples, the chain that you and I are now a part of if we are a follower of Jesus because we believe this good news because it has been shared down the line through God's word and through God's followers. But what does Jesus pray for us? for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. So it is Jesus' desire and prayer that we are all one, but why? He answers it later. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So who's our team? Our team is anyone that would call on the name of Jesus as Lord. Doesn't matter how old you are or young you are, Jesus' prayer and challenge for us was this, that we would be one. Why does Jesus want us to be one? Because we are better together, and when we are on mission together, we can tell the world that Jesus came from the Lord, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Our mission, our game plan, is to add as many people onto our team as possible to share the good news of Jesus. Our mission is to be like Jenny. Let me close with the words of my fourth grade coach. We are a team and we are in this together and we need each other. So let's go out there and let's play like a team. We're gonna get ready to watch a video of some teammates from our church. Check this out. I was off and on in church going into high school, but I got there and, and Joseph was like, hey, uh, there's this thing that Southwest does. They do a high school ministry. I am a, a sponsor for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in my high school. I got involved with HSM, and ever since then, I, I didn't stop going back. I see an impatient person who cared about other people and was compassionate about other people from the beginning. On March 1st of 2021, uh, my sister Melon dropped me off at work that day at Chick-fil-A, and um, I was probably working for about an hour and a half, 
And one of my bosses came up to me and was like, hey, you have a phone call. I'm gonna need you to come in after you take that person's order. But I came in and took the phone and it was one of my mom's friends. Um, and she was talking to me and she was like, don't freak out. She said, your sister was in an accident on the way home. I was up at my school uh, working um, a basketball game scorekeeping and got a text from Peyton in our group remind that said that Madeline had been in a wreck and that he wasn't certain of what had happened, but for us to pray for. So the moment when they picked me up from Chick-fil-A, um, I got in the car and I got another phone call. And the phone call was that she passed away. It was a large outpouring of support at Butler High School tonight as friends and family remembered a teenager killed in a crash last night. 17-year-old Madeline Trout was a cheerleader at Butler. Police say Madeline was killed when a truck crossed the center line on Dixie and hit her car head on. It felt like I was being suffocated. And it, it, was, a, it was a long car ride, a very long car ride. So I sent a text out to my youth group and was like, hey, could y'all be praying, you know, Madeline? just passed away, stuff like that. And um, I think that was when they decided they were gonna come up. I, I turned the car, my car around on Dixie Highway um, and got up on the expressway. And the first person that I thought about calling was Matt Slaven. You know, I got into youth ministry to hopefully on Wednesdays help uh, students with the weekly discussions and whatnot that we're having, but like nothing prepares you for um, something like this. And, uh, Matt told me something that I'll never forget, and he just said, don't worry about what you have to say. Just be there, be present. And it was Joseph and my other leader. He, his name is Cam. And then Michaela and Matt showed up as well. Peyton was standing by himself. I just remember my mind um, that night saying that he'll never do this by himself again. Uh, even though I don't remember the conversations I had, I remember them being there. And so them just being there meant a lot. It was a good picture of how oftentimes we can get isolated from one another. And the church is about bringing people in and bringing people together. In some ways, you can make an argument that like the church was at its brightest in the darkest moment of that. It was just trying to be the church in the days to come. We had different prayer circles and whatnot, because when Madeline passed away, it was more than just Peyton that was impacted. The things I ran to was the family and, and God and, and the church, the church community. If I didn't have the church community, then I wouldn't be at the place I am now. No one really invested in me or had an impact on me in high school. And one of the big reasons that I got involved in student ministry was simply because I wanted to be able to be engaged and involved um, in some of the most transformative years of the youth. My sister's passing became a defining moment because it, it, it pushed me towards Jesus. Everyone who knows me knows the story of Madeline and how, you know, my faith is. You know, I, I've told Peyton before, like, God doesn't waste pain. I think that a lot of things that have happened throughout his life, he's going to be able to help the youth in the future that have, are going through similar hurt, through similar struggle. Peyton's going to have experience to be able to help people that have gone through a similar pain that he can walk through um, and be the impact that, that uh, he wishes to be in this life. Youth ministry has is, is been a part of my life through, all through high school. Um, and if it wasn't for youth ministry, I wouldn't be here. The way I'm carrying on my sister's legacy is definitely through my ministry. I felt a calling in my sophomore year of high school. You know, I was thinking about it before my mom passed away, about going into youth ministry. 
But ever since she passed away, it was like, yes, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. Thanks for listening. If today's message made you realize you need to take your next step with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us on any of our social media platforms throughout the week or visit our website at southeastchristian.org. And if you want to hear more content like this, you can check out our sermons podcast or our one at a time podcast. Both can be found everywhere. Podcasts are available. Have a great week.